Well, um, until reasonably recently, we had um, our, our two boys would be growing up, um, now left home. They always say, don't they, that just when your kids are fit to live with, they want to, they want to live with someone else. <laughs> so, um, so, but we, for many years, we had a routine. Do you have a routine in the morning? Family routine. Before we really start the day, before we get going with the real business of the day, we have a little routine. You get up. In our case, we would get up. We would then get our boys up. Uh, they would come down and have breakfast. They would get dressed. They would come and have breakfast. Uh, they would pack their school bag. Um, then we would allow um, 10 minutes for questions. Um, where's my homework? Where's my lunchbox? Where's my school blazer? Uh, where's my phone? Where's my PE kit? Where's my school pullover? Uh, we also had a routine answer, which is where you left them. Um, and um, there was also a, a routine place they would find it, which was on the bedroom floor, uh, where they left it. Um, so after question time, they would then um, uh, go and brush their teeth. We had boys, so that was optional. Uh, and uh, then, then uh, they would put on their coats. That was also optional. Um, bore no relation to how warm or cold it was outside. And they would go off to school. 30 seconds later, one of them would come back to the front door, uh, having forgotten either their lunchbox, their PE kit, their school blazer, football boots, or swimming towel, or whatever it was. And that was the routine, and I longed for it to be over. Uh, and now it is. I want it back. <laughs> Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he says, I want you to get into this routine every day. Before you start the day serving God in whatever way he's called you to do, whether it's looking after children, whether it's uh, being a part of your local community, working, um, he says, I want you to get into this routine. Just imagine yourself armoring up for the day. Put your God suit on as part of your routine before the day gets going. Get into the habit of doing that. And we kicked off last week. Gordon did a fantastic introduction to this, just showing us what, what the armor of God is all about. And the Apostle Paul says every day, just put on that armor, that spiritual armor. Imagine yourself. Just think about it and, and, and pray about it. Ever so briefly, just make it part of your daily routine. Putting on the armor of God. And part of that armor that Paul wants us to put on are the shoes of peace. He says, put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. Part of a Roman soldier's armor that Paul may well have in mind included your battle shoes. The Roman shoes had little spikes on them, early versions of football or rugby boots, and it helped them to get stand their ground uh, when the enemy was coming against them. And Paul has in mind that every Christian, as a daily routine, needs to kind of put on these peace shoes. So why does Paul link um, shoes with peace? And uh, most likely, Paul is thinking of the great prophet Isaiah. We had read it, we even sung it as our opening song. And what would happen in ancient times is this, that if a country uh, was at war or an invading country uh, came against that nation, 
uh, the king, queen, or the elders would gather together and they would try and send out spies to assess the strength of the invading army. And if they realized that they were either outgunned or outnumbered or both, they would want to offer terms of a, a treaty. They would want to try and do a deal. Rather than fight a battle they couldn't win, they would try and settle terms before a battle would begin. And they would uh, get a herald, uh, a runner, uh, who would go and take the offer of peace to the invading army. And of course, uh, it would take time because they had to go to the front line, wherever that might be. And the king and all the elders would be anxious to know what's going to happen. Because if they didn't accept the offer of peace, the herald would simply never come back. They'd disappear without trace. So they would start to watch, and they would put the watchman on the walls to look for the runner, for the, for the herald, who would bring back news of whether there was going to be a treaty or whether there wasn't. And Isaiah picks up that image, that well-known kind of scenario. Um, and in this scenario that Isaiah imagines, he says, God's people are in exile because of the fallenness and sin in the world. They are exiled from God. And he imagines that, uh, that the, the, the people of God want to know whether there is any hope of redemption. Is there a hope that God might yet relent from his anger and turn back to me? And Isaiah imagines that a herald has gone to heaven to say, God, is there any chance that we could come to terms? Is there any hope that our relationship with you could be restored? And then they watch. They watch to see. And Isaiah watches with them. And then they see in a distance this runner coming back. He hasn't been killed. The runner is coming back to Jerusalem, to Zion, to the place of God's, um, God's people. And as he comes back, he gets closer. And they begin to see. And I, Isaiah puts this like into poetry. How beautiful are the feet of the herald that brings good news the good news is that there's a treaty. God has agreed terms of peace. But there's more to it. Isaiah imagines that as this runner gets closer and closer and closer, they realize that it isn't, it isn't the herald. It's God himself. It's the commanding officer of the invading army that is himself coming to God's people with news of peace. How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news, proclaiming peace. And the fact is, my friends, that, that uh, we were at war with God. That's how the scriptures describe our condition. At one time, says the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, he says, at one time, you were enemies of God. But now, through what Christ has done, he has made peace. He himself came. Didn't just send someone else. He himself came and brought a peace treaty. And Isaiah can say God and man, meaning all humankind, 
can now be at peace. It's a peace that comes from God. And when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and says, put on your peace shoes, he is meaning first, remind yourself of your relationship with God. You are no longer enemies. You are now at peace. This is not a peace that you determined. It's a peace that he has enabled. It's his peace. You and I at peace with God through Christ who dies upon the cross, who becomes the bridge. How great the chasm that lay between us. Jesus Christ stands in the chasm, one hand holding the hand of God, another hand stretched out to you. And if you take his hand, he becomes the peace. Christ himself has been made our peace. He makes peace with God and with you and me. Through his death upon the cross, God offers you terms of peace. And it's done, it's finished. He's already died in order to accomplish that. God at peace with us. It means that when bad stuff happens in our lives, we don't have to think or waste time thinking, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe this has happened because I did that. Maybe God's getting me back for this. No, no, he's already made peace with you. I pray with Christians sometimes who think, oh, I'm sure this is because I did this thing in my life. I'm sure, I, I'm sure it's God is just repaying me for, for that. You no, know, God has already repaid everything he needs to. Christ bore the repayment in full. God is now at peace with you and I. It means that uh, he hears my prayers because I'm at peace with God. It means that whatever challenges and upset is going on in my life, there is a deeper peace that I can find within me. And many of you have proved that. When you're going through really difficult times, it's possible, isn't it, to often find a peace that passes understanding, a peace that somehow is deeper than all the emotional turmoil I might be going through. And the Apostle Paul says you need to understand that there are forces in the world that are trying to steal away from you that relationship of peace that Christ has won for you. He says you, do, you need to understand that it, it's not automatic that you're going to benefit from that peace that Jesus has won between God and us. He says you're going to have to put your peace shoes on because there's an enemy in the world that will try to undermine that relationship of peace, that will try to take you away from it, that will try to, to make you forget about it, that will raise all kinds of things in your mind and in your head. Maybe sins that you have committed, maybe things that you're disappointed about, and he will, the enemy will try to shake you out of that place of peace that a Roman soldier with his peace shoes on would dig in his shoes. I'm not being moved from this spot. And Paul, taking that beautiful image from Isaiah, the beautiful shoes of peace that enable me to stand when I feel condemned, when I feel um, ashamed because of something that I've done, something I'm not able to do, something that I've let other people down with. God says, no, I've already taken care of all the consequences of that. We're at peace. No matter what, I will help you to deal with the consequences of what you might have done, but we are at peace. And Paul says, you need to know this, because every day there are challenges to you and I, to that peace that we have with God. 
we put our peace shoes on. And Paul says this battle for this relationship with God is very, very real. Very real. He said you can't see it. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood. The battle might sometimes come through other people. You might experience it through what people say, but it's not really other people. It's forces. There are all kinds of forces, aren't there? We've shared about this before. Love is a force. It's more than an emotion. It's a force. It's a power. Joy is more than just an emotion because sometimes we feel joyful. We don't really know why, and there isn't even necessarily any real reason to feel that joyful, but I just feel really joyful because joy is a, is a power. It's a force, and God created it. Bitterness isn't just an emotion. It's a force. It's a power. And it works through sometimes other people, sometimes through our own conscience that condemns us, um, sometimes through the things that other people have done to us. It's a force, and and it, it drives retaliation and bitterness and revenge. It's a force. If you've ever uh, been deeply offended by something that someone else has done, you know how difficult it is to get it out of your head. I must stop thinking over and over. I must stop rerunning it in my mind. I, why do I, you can't stop it. It's like a force, a power. The Apostle Paul says that now you're a Christian, you're alive to this, you're awake to this. You realize that more than just people in this world, there are forces Some of them good because God created them. Some of them are powers of evil and wickedness that seek to to destroy the relationship that God has with you and I. But Paul says we mustn't be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. Our blood is not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers, the principalities, the forces of evil. Pride is a force of evil. It's not just a series of thoughts that I have. It's a a force. Rejection and a feeling of rejection is very often more than just an emotion. It becomes a force, a power that begins to control my thoughts and the way I feel about myself and other people. And the Apostle Paul says, friends, this is a battle we're in. And it matters. And God has provided, if you like, this armor that we can put on. And he says, one of the things you need to put on that will protect you throughout your day is the peace shoes. Actually, whatever comes my way, I am at peace with God. I can pray, I can know that he is for me and not against me. But there's a kingdom principle that we see throughout everything Jesus said. He said it many times in different ways. He said, as the master, me, so must the servants be. As I am, so must those who follow me be. He said it another way on a different occasion. He said, as you have received, so give. Freely you have received, so freely give the same that you have received. And so we can't separate out the peace that we've received from Jesus Christ, we can't take that to ourselves without also then becoming ambassadors for peace. As we have received, now we must give. So Paul says they're not just the shoes of peace, it's the, it's the, the, the shoes of the readiness 
of the gospel. Because when you've got your shoes on, you're ready to move. You're ready to go. In fact, I didn't put that in my list of, um, of uh, routine things in our household. But finding your shoes was actually one of the biggest challenges of almost every morning. Where are my shoes? Well, where did you kick them off last time? Um, I don't know. Normally, we only found them when we nearly broke our necks tripping over them. But anyway... The shoes means that you're ready. You can go out to places because you've got the right shoes on. The men at Carroty Wood, I tell you, we, it's so muddy in this place, isn't it? I mean, we, we, took, we took loads of shoes, all in polythene bags, and the mud that's caked up on the... I don't know who's cleaning that up. Are we having to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah in your car. Sorry about that. I had my boots in your car. We had these boots. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I offered to change them. You said it was all right. We, we were caked in mud. But, but the point is, you have the right shoes for the right job. And, and, and Paul says, these shoes that you have, these shoes of peace, it's really important that you put them on because not only does it remind you of your relationship of peace with God, but it reminds you that everywhere you go, you are now an ambassador for peace. That's what we're called to be. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. We're called then to go with the shoes of peace to be ambassadors of peace. That means that Christians of all people need to be people of peace. As you have received, so give. Have your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And um, Paul also says, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes it's beyond our ability to put something right. It depends on another person's willingness. We can pray, but we can't force their hand. But as far as it depends on me, I want to be offering terms of peace to everyone, starting with the family of the church. Wherever I am aware that there might be something between me or someone else. I want to be the good news feet of Isaiah. I want people to see me coming and not think, oh gosh, here's Tim, I've got to deal with that thing. I want them to see me coming and say, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news announcing peace. You want to be that person, that when anyone sees me coming, whether you're walking to work, whether you're walking towards colleagues, whether you're walking to the school gate, whether you're walking around to the shops, I want, when people see me coming, I want them to think, whether they know the text, the, the scripture or not, to think, how beautiful are the feet of those coming towards me, because I know they're going to bring peace. And friends, this can be hard for us because we, we're so easily wounded and so easily offended sometimes by other people. We're offended in church, even though we do our best to try and help one another. Um, but I think the shoes of peace means that as a Christian community, and then flowing out from us to others, there's, there's, it's important that we are peacemakers, that we put the peace shoes on every day, so that we keep short accounts with people rather than letting um, offenses build up. And we could say more about how we do that, and, but now, now is not the time for that. This is just uh, God uh, reminding us.
You know, in Psalm 133, this beautiful psalm, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in unity, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And I think that there is a blessing that God has for a Christian community, and it's a blessing you can't have on your own. I mean, God has blessed you with all kinds of things, and you can pray at home, you can pray anywhere, and God wants to bless you. But there's one blessing you can't have on your own because it's reserved for when we live in unity with one another. God blesses the community that puts the peace shoes on. There's blessing from God that you can't have unless we put the peace shoes on and become ambassadors for peace. Making peace can be hard, but when we do that, we are actually allowing God to bless us, not only me personally, but the whole Christian community. When we harbor a grudge, or uh, we seek to get others on our side against someone else, when we choose to forgive instead of backing off and thinking, oh, well, I just won't ever talk to that person. I'll try and keep my distance. I'll try and avoid them. You're, potentially, you're hindering that blessing for the whole community that God wants. So it matters for all of us that I put the shoes on. It matters to all of us that you put the shoes on. Paul says, you've received this incredible peace from God. Now you... Go and be ambassadors for peace. And as you do, there is a blessing for the community that God wants to give. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given us peace shoes through what Christ has done upon the cross. He has given us the assurance of peace with you. Sometimes I worry that, you know, it's tit for tat. If I sin against you, then you're going to get me. But Lord, that's not true. Your peace says you've already taken account. You've already made provision for forgiveness. I can be at peace with you. Even if the stuff that's going on in my life now is, is my fault, maybe it's through bad choices, things that I've done. Father, thank you that you don't stand far off. You come quickly like beautiful shoes of a runner, coming towards me urgently and quickly with terms of peace. Father, I, I pray that for anyone this morning that needs to, to hear that message again would hear it loud and clear. You are not at war with us. You have, are offering terms of peace. You are running towards us this morning with beautiful feet, offering peace. And Father, for those of us this morning that might just need to uh, make a, a conscious decision to forgive someone else and to release peace to a relationship, or to a situation, that you'll make us quick to do that as we put our peace shoes on. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.